To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome to another episode of The Hidden Gateway Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Williams, and today's guest is Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. McCullough is an award-winning cardiologist and is vice chief of medicine at Baylor University Medical Center. He is also an internationally recognized authority on the role of chronic kidney disease as a cardiovascular state and has publications and citations in the National Library of Medicine. We're very thankful to have him on the Hidden Gateway podcast today. Dr. McCullough, welcome. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. And just as an update, I have uh, stepped down from the position of vice chair of medicine at Baylor. I'm Texas uh, I'm a professor of medicine at Texas A&M College of Medicine. I see uh, patients on the Baylor campus. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, Dr. McCullough, I've been you know looking around. I've been seeing you on YouTube. I've seen you on Tucker Carlson, uh, really making the rounds out there, um, doing what I call spreading truth. You know, um, can you tell us about that? What's your position on different things? Obviously, you know, it sounds like you've been doing this for about a year and a half now. Uh, Tell me about it. It should be pretty obvious uh, to Americans that there's a great need to hear from doctors who have actually seen patients with COVID-19 and doctors who've cared for patients with COVID-19, know how to treat them and keep them out of the hospital. Americans have had a year of uh, media doctors uh, and CDC and FDA and NIH staffers and to my knowledge, not a single one of them has actually ever seen a COVID patient. They've never treated a COVID patient. And so we've really become lost in the media. Uh, we've been lost on masks and vaccines. And, and, and you can tell that the doctors have actually never seen a sick patient or, or understand what the issues are. You know, there have been millions of Americans have gotten sick with COVID-19, 33 million people in the United States. Uh, we've had millions of patients hospitalized. We've lost 600 a thousand individuals to the illness. And um, Americans are kind of tired of hearing from doctors who really don't know what COVID-19 is. Right. I bet. I bet. So so tell us about it. From what I understand, you believe that um, proper treatment is needed at the early stages. Is that right? Sure. Like any other illness, uh, COVID-19 is no different than a pneumococcal pneumonia, uh, mycoplasma pneumonia, influenza pneumonia, uh, no different than a blood clotting problem or an inflammatory problem. It needs to be treated early. It's very important. Americans should understand this. Uh, this idea of getting this illness, sitting at home for two weeks until you can't breathe anymore, 
and then going to the hospital, that, that's not the way it should be handled. We know contemporary mortality of people going to the hospital need the ICU. At 28 days, the mortality is 38%. So people need to know when they go in the hospital and they go in the ICU, a third of them aren't going to make it. There's no way that should be acceptable to Americans. So Americans should understand, A, they need to hear from doctors who are taking care of COVID patients, and B, they need to understand that if they're high risk in COVID-19, they need early treatment. Okay. Okay. So why are things going the way they are, in your opinion? What, 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 is, what is the issue? Why, why isn't that being, being played out? I think it was a giant failure of two presidential administrations now and a giant failure of our government agencies to recognize that doctors are the foot soldiers in this battle against COVID-19. Our agencies and the White House, they're they're not battling the virus. Doctors are. And uh, our uh, president and our administrations, both of them now, should have said, listen, we're going to get doctors who are treating COVID-19 and we are going to get the best ideas and we're going to go ahead and treat this illness, keep people out of the hospital and stop these hospitalizations and deaths. Uh, we didn't. We still to this day have never heard that courageous statement. It's, a, it's, 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 like, it's like there's a problem and they can't identify what the problem is. The problem is people are being hospitalized and dying. Answer, treat the illness and take care of the problem. We've never heard our agency staffers uh, to this day state that. There's a constant, uh, never-ending focus on wearing masks and lockdowns and the vaccine, but there is never a mention of treating the patient. And Americans ought to be thinking, listen, we've been at it a year now. How come our top people that they bring on TV from our agencies are not talking about how to treat Americans, how, how to get them out of this jam? Okay. Okay. And and what are your thoughts in regards to the vaccine? I heard you mention that a minute ago. Uh, there are a lot of opinions on it. You know, uh, some people are anti-vax, obviously. Some people are pro-vax. Um, what are your thoughts on the vaccine? Do you think it's safe? Do you think it's healthy? Is it? Do you think that it's necessary for um, the majority of the population? Well, we know that Americans in general, including myself, are about 98% pro-vax. When I mean pro-vax, it means we take our shots, we take our vaccines, and our kids take our vaccines. About 98% of them are. So I am, I'm pro-vax. So I've had every single vaccine that I'm supposed to have. I'm a doctor, supposed to have hepatitis B vaccine, flu vaccine. I'm old enough now, I'm supposed to get the shingles vaccine. I got it. So I'm pro-vax. Okay. So it's not a matter of being anti-vax or pro-vax. You know, it, it's, we, we take our shots. With this vaccine, what your listeners need to understand is there's a story evolving. And this is very important. I basically have come to this understanding. We're starting to put the pieces together. It appears as if this virus was uh, altered or made in a lab in China. I, I think everyone's coming to uh, agree on that. So, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that lately, yes. Okay, but I, I think there's an understanding, even from our officials in Washington. The SARS-1 virus that caused SARS 17 years ago was altered manipulated in the lab to become SARS-2. And how it was manipulated is the spike protein or the little spiky thing on the ball of the virus that you see in all the pictures. 
the spike protein was intentionally changed to make the virus way more contagious and way more lethal. Right. And that's what Senator Rand Paul calls gain of function research. Right. So kind of the function of the spike protein became stronger and it was manipulated. That's what made COVID-19 uh, such a bad illness for Americans. What we've basically come to understand is the vaccines, all of them, trick the body into making the same pro same pro spike protein, the same genetically altered spike protein that caused all the damage. That's what the virus tricks the body into making. It's called the original Wuhan spike uh, protein. So we got hit with bioterrorism out of a lab in China with the virus. And now in a sense, we're getting hit with bioterrorism through the vaccines. Now, the goal of the right. vaccines would be to give us a little dose of it so we could form an immunity to it. But what we found out from recent studies is that when uh, someone gets a COVID-19 vaccine, any one of them, the body is tricked into making a spike protein, and each person's different. Some people make a little bit of it, they have a little reaction, and they get immunity. Some people, that spike protein rolls and is produced in huge quantities for a long period of time. A recent study out of Harvard showed that the spike protein is made for about two weeks in the human body. This spike protein itself, that's the bioterrorism weapon, if you will, that damages blood vessels, it causes blood clotting, damages the major organs in the body. Uh, it, uh, we believe it hits the placenta, the baby in pregnant women. So this is the first time that we've had a vaccine that actually introduces something that circulates and damages the body for a period of time. It's, it's quite alarming what our understanding of the vaccines is at this time. I don't think we fully understood this one, even when they were released onto the market. Okay. We know in the registrational trials that um, only two months of information was gathered on the vaccine. So we barely had enough information uh, it was generally well populations that were recruited. I remember in the J&J &J, uh, clinical trial, 60% of people had no medical problems. Now, people with no medical problems, those are the ones who kind of really don't need to worry about COVID, um, but that's, that's who enrolled in the studies. And the rates of actually getting COVID, whether you got the real vaccine or placebo, was less than 1%. So that was really odd. Uh, so this idea that it didn't matter if you got the real shot or you got the vaccine, you almost were, you know, protected against getting COVID. What, what happened in the vaccine trials is they recruited very healthy people who didn't come in contact with the virus. That's what happened. So when they were released on the market, we didn't really understand how they worked. And um, I can tell you in my practice, I'm a cardiologist and an internist in Dallas, and I want to say about 70% of my patients are vaccinated. And they were vaccinated in De December, January, and February. But what we've seen now um, is extraordinary. Uh, uh, the the um, safety database, what's called the Vaccine Event Reporting System, that's the reporting system that when you sign up for the vaccine, the CDC tells you, go check this system so you understand the risks of the vaccine. The CDC keeps telling doctors, check the VAR system in order to counsel people on the safety of the vaccine. So we've been checking it. I've been uh, checking it. And what's happened over time is we've seen something extraordinary. 
there's over 4,200 patients who have died after the vaccine. 4,200. Wow. Okay. There are over 12,000 Americans who've died after the vaccine. And there's been tens of thousands of patients who had to go to the ER or the emergency room. There's been over 10,000 people in Europe who've died after the vaccine. This is unprecedented. If we take all the vaccines, and we have 70 vaccines on the US market, and you look at all the years those vaccines were on the market, it wouldn't add up to COVID-19. So COVID-19 far and away is the most dangerous vaccine that Americans have ever taken by those measures. And so many have called for immediate safety reviews. I was on national TV last week, going on tonight, by the way, on national TV, on the Laura Ingram angle. And we've been calling for the CDC to get an independent set of doctors in here, review these cases, and uh, give some advice. Obviously, some people should not be getting the vaccine. Something's really going wrong. And Americans know this. You know, the, vac- the, the vaccine centers started emptying out about mid-April. And most of the vaccine centers in the United States are empty right now. People are talking to each other. And almost right. every American knows another person or knows somebody in their circle, their church or their family group. Mm-hmm. They know somebody who's either died or been hospitalized after the vaccine. I mean, I met a group of people yesterday. One guy came up to me, Doc, I want to let you know I got the vaccine. I was in the hospital all week with blood clots last week. I mean, this wow. is common. Um, yeah. I, I filled out some of these safety reports. It takes about 15 or 20 minutes. Got to enter in tons of information, all the hospital dates and what happened. And each one of the forms says, warning, uh, a falsification of a report punishable by prison or by fine. And I have to tell you, I don't think anybody's fooling around. I don't think these are overreported. As a matter of fact, I think they're underreported. And I'm, I'm aware of cases where really bad things have happened and no one knows how to report it. If we lose the uh, vaccine number on the card, uh, most people don't, don't know how to report it. So uh, we've got a situation developing in America, and I hope your listeners can listen to it. You know, we, we used the vaccine. We thought it was a good idea. Um, it looked like it was kind of rushed moving forward, but America was desperate. It was in the middle of a really hard time with COVID. But doctors did figure out how to treat it. We've cleared out the hospitals. It really hasn't come back. Our rates are very low. There's not enough people vaccinated, and there's the vaccine is not good enough to really influence the rates that we're seeing. The reason why the the virus is going away is there's enough people who are immune and those who are getting the disease are being treated. That's the reason why the rates are low. So uh, at this point, um, I cannot recommend the vaccine to my patients anymore at this point. I mean, the CDC asked me to make that decision. The the CDC and the FDA and NIH, they, they can't make that decision. They don't treat patients, doctors do. But at this juncture of safety, I think now's the time for the agencies to go ahead and, and pause or close the program and do a safety review and figure out wh- what went wrong. So if they think there's going to need to be boosters in the fall, that they get a safer program. Maybe the dose is too high. Maybe the formula needs to be changed. Maybe there are certain types of patients that shouldn't get the vaccine. We did have a signal that patients who previously had covid have higher rates of reactions. And I'm, I'm worried that some of these uh, terrible things like deaths and hospitalizations may have happened 
in people who are uh, uh, needlessly vaccinated. COVID recovered patients uh, don't get the illness twice. Americans should realize this, that once you get COVID, it's one and done. Okay. You okay. Don't get it I've over. heard of people saying they, they've gotten it twice. No, they get fooled because of the, the test in the nose can be false positive. And so um, yeah, they get that. freaked out. They say, well, I think I had it twice. It's like, no, you haven't. You get sick once with it and that's it. So it's one and done. And we don't need to be vaccinating on top of somebody who has natural immunity. That may be a big part of the problem. You know what, doctor, I understand that. But the my concern is, and I'm sure a lot of other Americans as well, or the question I should say, then why is the vaccine being promoted and pushed so hard in this country? I mean, even with your peers, obviously, you know, I, I think the majority of your peers, and correct me if I'm wrong, are um, treating their patients with the vaccine. So, and, and, you know, I'm sure they have to be aware of the data, the proof that you spoke of. Then why do, why do they continue to treat their patients with the vax? There's a very important principle called fair balance. And with any drug or vaccine that gets fully FDA approved and gets on the market, the laws in the United States say that patients and doctors should get fair balance of information. You, you, re, you hear some of the good things that the drug does, and you hear about some of the side effects. And if you ever seen a drug commercial on TV, it'll say, oh, take this drug. It's great for psoriasis. Then it'll say, warning, may cause these problems. You know how you get a balance, right? With the vaccines, they're being used right now on what's called emergency use authorization, EUA. And Americans should know that in EUA, there's no rule for fair balance. So Americans and, and the doctors also receiving the, uh, uh, the information on the vaccine are not getting fair balance. So all they're hearing is get a needle in every arm. It's good for you. It's uh, safe. Or if you notice the last time that the CDC staff was on TV, they made some videos. It says we have no reason not to believe it's safe. So it was interesting. They didn't say it's safe. They go, we have no reason not to believe it's safe. Well, it's like, well, I do. All you have to do is look at the scoreboard of safety events and you conclude, wow, it's, it doesn't look like it's safe. So I think the lack of fair balance has really hurt uh, things in the United States. And you're right. So many people are on this one-way track of trying to get everybody vaccinated and Americans are seeing what's going on. And you can feel the tension right now in America, which is extraordinary over the vaccine. There's so much tension. The vaccine centers are empty. Nobody wants to go in there. So, uh, so now they've said, well, in Ohio, uh, uh, what, well, sign, get a vaccine and you'll go in the lottery and win a million dollars. They had one where it says, oh, I saw yeah, that. Yeah. They tried to have college kids and they said, well, sign up and, and you can win a, a, a thing for tuition. I mean, talk about desperate. If this vaccine was good for you and it really was safe, you wouldn't have to offer a million dollars. Uh, to get the vaccine. People are starting to think, listen, what's in that vaccine? And why, why are they trying to offer me a, a million dollars? Exactly. It's making things worse because the vaccines or centers are empty and they're saying, well, listen, why don't we go two blocks down the street and set up a vaccine center inside a church? And now the church is saying, well, wait a minute. If the vaccine's not safe, we don't want to be promoting the vaccine inside the church. People may be feel pressured into it. So Americans should know that there's a really important principle that, that we need to hold up, particularly in uh, communities of color and others where there's been some wrongdoing in the past. And it's called the, the, um, it's called the principle of autonomy. 
And what the principle of autonomy says is that you get to decide what gets injected in your body, you and you only. You can take advice, but you, you cannot be pressured. You cannot have coercion. You can't have somebody offering you a million dollars. You can't do that. And you can't have threat of reprisal, meaning if you decline it, you can't have somebody say, well, you're, you're fired or you're going to lose your job or you can't travel. That's called the principle of autonomy. That's a basic medical ethical principle. It came out of World War II in the Nuremberg Code. It's written into what's called the Belmont Report. And it's actually part of the Office of Human Subject Protections that based is part on the Tuskegee experiment, which is a terrible experiment in U.S. history in African-Americans. So what's going on right now violates medical ethics. People ought to think, listen, this kind of sounds like Nuremberg or Tuskegee. Uh, right. something, something's going wrong here. People should have a free choice on this, particularly because it's new, because uh, it's investigational. Investigational means technically it's under research. You don't have to be in research if you don't want to. I mean, it tells you right on the consent form, it's investigational. It means you're under research. They want your uh, identifying information so they should, can, can track you. So Americans are starting to get feel really uncomfortable. I'll give you some examples. Uh, some of the colleges have said, listen, you can't go to school unless you get the vaccine. Well, people have done the calculations. We've got 20 million kids going to college, and the estimates are if we force them to take the vaccine, there's going to be 80 kids who die, and there's going to be 1,000 kids put in the hospital. So that means the parents are wondering, okay, do I risk my child losing my child to the vaccine because they want to go to college? Right. The tension is extraordinary right now in America. And if listen, if the vaccine was like water, it was perfectly safe. It worked every time. You could say, listen, let's get a needle in every arm. Come on. What's the big deal? But it's not. I mean, there's 4,200 Americans who have died, 11,000 put in the hospital, um, it doesn't work 100%. We've already had 10,000 patients already develop full COVID after they've been fully vaccinated. And that's what the CDC was able to figure out. The estimates are that's tenfold underreported. There's probably been 100,000 people who have actually gotten COVID and they're fully vaccinated. I've had lots of people in my practice. So the vaccine doesn't work 100%. It's not a great vaccine, to be honest with you, in terms of blocking COVID. So uh, Americans are really, uh, there's a tremendous amount of attention uh, tension in our country right now, and understandably why. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, this may sound crazy. I don't know if you've seen um, the, the latest, um, how can I say, the latest thing that's going on. I see it on YouTube and social media where people are putting magnets on their arms where they at the injection spot and the, ma and the, the magnet is like sticking there. Right. And then I'm also reading and hearing that uh, the vaccine messes with your DNA and can possibly lead to transhumanism and all this other stuff. What's I mean, what, what could they possibly be putting in you where? Okay, so, so, so what you're getting down to and people have said this is that, listen, if it's not that great of a vaccine, if it doesn't really stop covid. And it actually is has such bad side effects as killing thousands of people. And COVID's kind of going away anyway. Like less than 1% of people even get COVID in the studies. Now, anyone's chance in America of getting COVID is way less than 1% now because it's basically gone. 
people are saying, listen, if that's the circumstances, maybe the vaccine is just too late. Why are we forcing that on people? What's in the vaccine? People are just naturally asking, what's in this vaccine? Why is it so, it's so important to somebody? I can tell you it's not that important to me. I don't have any stake in it. It doesn't sound like it's important to you, but it's important to somebody to get a needle in every arm. When they said we want a needle in every arm, they kind of meant it. So people have looked at this. If you look at the CDC website, there's three or four pages in the CDC website that says, listen, there's no tracking device in this. There's no nano trackers in this. So the first thing people have said is, why are the CDC saying that? Mm -hmm. Do you have to say that? That just kind of spooks people right there. That's on the U.S. Centers for Disease Control website. Like if there's no trackers in it, why? That's just kind of spooky. So there have been some things on social media where after injection, people have put up some metal. And in fact, a friend of mine uh, showed his daughter and some metal stuck there. And I can tell you, I've reached out to experts on this and they assure me there's no metal in the vaccine. There's no you know, metal nanoparticles and, and what have you. I, I think those are just kids you know, playing hoaxes to see if they'll get their parents to react to, to something. So I don't think there's any metal in there. And let's take it on face value that there's no uh, geo trackers in there. But when we, if we go back to the idea that the virus itself was kind of botched bioterrorism, the spike protein itself is the target of the bioterrorism. The natural infection we know actually does cause some minor rearrangements of uh, chromosomes in T cells to change the T cell receptor so they can uh, see the virus in the future. And that's how the T cell uh, T direct test works is by testing next generation sequencing from chromosomal rearrangements. So in a sense, the natural viral infection kind of marks you as other viral infections would, but you're kind of marked. Now, it's unclear if, if the virus, the vaccine itself, creates any biologic marking with changing chromosomal rearrangements. We simply don't know at this point in time. I can tell you what's unique about this vaccine is that it tricks the body into making a spike protein that is itself a product of bioterrorism. So it was bad enough to get bioterrorism through the virus, and now Americans are kind of getting a dose of bioterrorism through the vaccine with the hope of trying to get immunity. It's almost like we're double dosing ourselves on a bad nightmare. COVID was a bad nightmare. That was bad enough. And it seems like the virus is going away. And now the new nightmare is the vaccine. Wow. Okay. Now, when you testified in front of the U.S. Senate, you held up your treatment protocol and told the American people you weren't asking for their permission to do it, but rather asking for their help. Doctor, how can American citizens help? Obviously being open-minded and not only listening to you, that can definitely help take it a step further, but how, how can they help? Where, where is, how, how can they support the efforts? What can be done? I think the American ought to realize that their chances of getting COVID is pretty low. If they've already had COVID-19, their chances are zero. They don't need to worry about it one bit more, okay? Not one bit more. And they certainly don't need the vaccine. But if you haven't had COVID, and it doesn't matter if you get the vaccine or not, because you still could get COVID, what you need to know is you should be ready for treatment. And so there um, are some helpful uh, vitamins and supplements that everybody ought to have in the house. They've been proven to sh have some modest benefit. They include uh, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin or quercetin, 
uh, as a bare minimum, that's a good idea. And then they ought to have a plan for treatment if they get sick. You don't want to sit at home kind of scrambling when you're at home. And so what uh, has been uh, come about is the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, AAPS, is the go-to organization, aapsonline.org, and download the Home Treatment Guide. It's already been utilized several million times in America since it was released in the fall. It has listing of the vitamins and supplements that are helpful, and then it has a treatment protocol. And the treatment protocol is really based on the principles of science that we've put together over the course of a year. We know people under age 50, without any medical problems, can breeze through the illness and really don't need any special treatment. That's a large group in the population, unless they present with severe symptoms. Now, we had somebody younger and they present with a terrible difficulty breathing and cough, they should get treatment. But people who are, you know, say, age 30, uh, uh, who get a little runny nose with COVID, they're going to go through it and get natural immunity. Just stay away from other people. Take the vitamins and supplements, you'll be fine. Now, age over 50 and medical problems or younger presenting with severe symptoms, different story. We should start treatment. And the best form of treatment is what President Trump had, is to get an infusion of monoclonal antibodies. The current available product is by Regeneron, it's stocked in every emergency room in the United States, and it's free. All we need to do is get a phone call, get in there, and get an antibody infusion. So everybody ought to call their hospitals and say, listen, do you, do you stock the antibodies? If I get COVID, I need to know where I can go to get an infusion, okay? And then after that, we can use some prescription drugs. Now, doctors need to call these in, but they include hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin plus azithromycin or doxycycline. They include uh, inhaled budesonide or pulmicort inhaler, oral prednisone, oral colchicine, full-dose aspirin, and then in really high-risk patients, we use blood thinners like Lovenox or um, Eliquis. So that's a lot of drugs to remember. It's all on the treatment protocol, and, uh, and doctors can kind of come up with a four- to six-drug program, and that works almost every time in keeping people out of the hospital. I've treated well over 100 patients. I've advised on thousands of patients nationwide, and it works. And it doesn't depend on any single drug. People said, well, is hydroxychloroquine the miracle drug? No, you can treat it without hydroxychloroquine. How about ivermectin? No, you can treat it without yeah. ivermectin. In fact, I did a seminar with Dr. Chetty in South Africa. He said everybody got so wound up about hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, he gave up on it. He's treating 4,000 Africans, 4,000 uh, 4, Africans, whites, and Indians down there, and he just times the illness. He waits to about day eight, and then he uses the steroids, colchicine, aspirin, antihistamines, and some blood thinners. He treats the back end of the syndrome. He does fine. What we do in America, though, is we treat, we treat it up front. We use the drugs. If we use the drugs perfectly, we can shut down the virus in about four days. And sh so the shortest duration of time for an, an older, sicker person is five days, the average person my age is about 10 days. And somebody like in a senior home or a grandfather, grandmother, it could be about 30 days. But it's called sequenced uh, oral multidrug therapy. It's based on many hundreds of studies where we didn't ask a single drug to be a miracle drug. We simply asked the drug to show a signal of benefit and have acceptable safety and put it into protocols. So aapsonline.org, there's another organization that's come up. They're very strong. 
It's called the Frontline Critical Care Consortium, FLCCC. Um, there is a, um, a listing of all the treating doctors in every state in America. There is uh, a listing of four national telemedicine services. If, if you run out of luck and your doctor doesn't know what to do, you can use a telemedicine service. Uh, one of the national ones that's all based on charity. So do, they don't even charge your uh, insurance or anything. It's called nice. my, myfreedoctor.com, myfreedoctor.com, and it's based on charity. So if you are happy with it, it's like going to church. You'd give a, a, a donation in the at the end of the pew. Um, it's based on charity, and they'll take down your information, go through it with you, get your medicines called in the pharmacy, have somebody go pick them up to you, and take care of the illness at home and avoid hospitalization. Right now in America, we're treating between probably about five and 10,000 people a day that way. Those are just the high-risk people. We're keeping the hospitals uh, empty, and uh, the, we're closing out the virus. It was all about early treatment, and you're right. It started with the Senate testimony. Because, because America was being blocked from this important information. America was just, people were getting slammed in the hospital. They were sick at home. The virus was going everywhere. And until we got early treatment going, things were really a mess. You know, it was predicted that we were going to lose 2 million Americans. And we cut it off at about 600,000. I think if we could have gotten early treatment going sooner, we would have saved more lives. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Dr. McCullough, I definitely want to thank you for appearing on the Hidden Gateway podcast today. One thing that I ask each and every guest to do, and I would like to ask you as well, is just to leave our listeners with a token of love, something that they can take with them going forward. Well, my message to Americans is that we've been through a very difficult time. It's created a tremendous amount of fear, a lot of division. Uh, there is tremendous fear and confusion among doctors right now. A lot of doctors are actually afraid of even touching COVID patients because they were afraid of getting the illness themselves. And I can tell you, almost every one of me and my team, uh, we took care of COVID patients. We got it ourselves, so we know what it feels like. It's a rough illness. And um, our hearts go out to people who didn't make it. So, yeah, so thank you. Need, yeah, they need to know that compassionate doctors exist. Find them through aapsonline.com or, or FLCCC find them and have them ready to rock and roll if you develop COVID. On the vaccine, if you took the vaccine and you breeze through it, fine. Let's hope you get some good out of it. If, if you are already worried or you already have problems, you already have blood problems, stroke, other things, um, the vaccine at this point in time is probably not safe enough to, to push forward. We probably ought to wrap it up here and then uh, look at the safety and, and find a better way forward on, on the vaccine. It didn't didn't turn out like what people thought. Right. Right. OK. OK. Well, thank you again, doctor. Thank and to the audience of the Hidden Gateway podcast, we definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to stay corrected, connected with us through Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. You can always reach us at support at thehiddengateway.com as well. And thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.